We are concluding this part of the series. Oh, it's this part about stewardship is in the midst of a series about having a heart like Jesus and getting a heart like his. And you might remember uh, our very first Sunday together, we talked about Jesus's heart, which was lowly and humble. That means his heart was accessible, meaning that we are to be accessible to the, to the needs of the world around us. And then uh, last week, you, you finally got a, a good sermon because Vern was in here preaching with his shoes on. And, and he was tell, talking to you all uh, about how where your treasure is, your, your heart is also. You know, a lot of times we get that backwards. We'll, we'll say, where our heart is there, it's where our treasure is. No, Jesus wisely says, where we're spending our money, where we are investing our resources, that is where our heart is. That's the center of where our being is. And we are trying to talk about how God is wanting to transform the center of who we are. And that is shown partly by where, as Rachel pointed out, where we spend our resources and our time and who we are. And hopefully it's more than just at Amazon or at Target, though you don't have a Target here, but my, my wife and my daughter, you know, they, they like to, to say that let's go to Hickory to go to Target. Uh, so it's it, hopefully more than that than Amazon and Walmart. Hopefully you are seeing how God is blessing you so that your heart is where God would have it be and that you're accessible to the needs of the world. And today we talk about someone who's experienced a great transformation in his life and that reordered all of his priorities. And that's a fellow that I know you've heard of named Zacchaeus. Let's turn uh, to the word of the Lord uh, found in the good news according to Luke, the 19th chapter, starting with verse 1. He, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He's trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of all the crowds he could not, because he's short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. And all who saw it began to grumble and say, he has gone to be a guest with one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of all my possessions, Lord, I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek out and to save those who are lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We all know something about Zacchaeus, I believe. I believe right now if I started to say this little song that you all learned in kindergarten, you could sing it with me. What we all know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and wee little man was a yeah. Yeah, we, we, all, know, we all know the song, right? And, and we know that he uh, climbed up what? A Sycamore tree, because the Lord he wanted to see. Remember, we all, we remember that, right? 
And as a savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. We all know that, right? We, We know that song. But we don't realize the depth of what happened here in singing that song. It's a great little song, don't get me wrong. But the song tells us only this, that Zacchaeus was a wee little man and he climbed up a tree and he wanted to see the Lord. But Luke tells us in this very opening passage that Zacchaeus wasn't just a wee little man, he was rich, exceedingly rich. And that he was a a tax collector, not just any old tax collector. He wasn't just the guy that worked for the IRS. He was the chief tax collector in this town of Jericho. And we know this about Jericho. It was a rich place. Historians tell us that it was the place that was known as the region of fatness. That's what Josephus said to us about Jericho because there's springs in that area. So it was very fertile in this, at that arid region. It was right along a trade route. So merchants passed from one place to the other, had to go through Jericho. And so because these folks were exceedingly rich because of all uh, the, the bounty that was there, is it any wonder that these government endorsed extortionists known as tax collectors, and some might say the IRS is that, but that, that you'll, you'll hear how this, they're different than the IRS in just a second, wanted to work in that place because there's a lot of money there. And see, what tax collectors would do is that they would get along the side of the road, and as people would pass by, they would assess them how much they would owe to the government. And they could make up anything depending on their own personal needs. And standing there to back that up with them is a couple of Roman soldiers who sometimes with the point of a spear or tip of a sword would say, hey, buddy, you better pay up. So they, they, would, they would say to them, here's what you owe. And it could be any amount. Just as long as that tax collector gave back to Rome what they wanted. And so these government-sponsored extortionists were extremely wealthy and extremely unpopular. And Zacchaeus ran the whole racket for that area. And though they were extremely wealthy and extremely unpopular, they had to be extremely lonely because the only friends that they would have are friends that they could buy. They're excluded from the synagogue. The only place that they could go to to learn and to fellowship with other Jews, when they went to Jerusalem to go to the temple, they could not go into the inner courts. Therefore, they could not go to the place where they could make sacrifice to have their sins removed from them. So you could see the depth of desperation that was in Zacchaeus' heart. Yeah, he may have been rich, but yes, he was very, very lonely. And so, you know the story. Jesus is coming through that region, and Zacchaeus has heard about this Jesus. Just before he gets to Jericho, we read that Jesus cured a blind man, and that news spread all over town. So Zacchaeus wanted to go see this guy, and the rumor has it that in the inner circle of Jesus' followers is a tax collector, someone just like Zacchaeus. We know him as Matthew. And so, is it any wonder that Zacchaeus said, I I just want to see this fella. Maybe he can give me a little bit of hope. 
And so we know he, he goes in amongst the crowd and you can imagine what this crowd was doing when they saw it was a short tax collector that was amongst them, this, this traitor to the people. What would you do if you saw someone like that and you could throw an elbow at him, right? Yeah, yeah. or stomp on his foot a little bit or shove him aside. Yeah, of course you're gonna do that. And, and Zacchaeus is brave in, in getting amongst the crowd because maybe in that group was a, was a, a organization called the Sicarii, the, the dagger men, folks that would gladly stab a tax collector or a Roman soldier. So, so Zacchaeus is being pretty brave mingling amongst this crowd. But since he's so short, since he's probably getting roughed up a little bit, he runs ahead, climbs up a what type of tree? Sycamore tree. Y'all know, yeah, thank you very much. Some of y'all are awake. Yeah, he climbs up that sycamore tree waiting for Jesus. And when Jesus comes along, it says there in the text that he stops intentionally in front of the tree and looks up and sees this diminutive thief, Zacchaeus. And he tells him, come down, because I must stay in your house today. Y'all, you don't know how this angered the people, because what Zacchaeus was to them was a traitor. He is someone who had sold out his country, his people, his faith for money. He had collaborated with this hated Roman empire so he could get rich. Think of it this way. Some of y'all might remember uh, Aldridge Ames and Robert Hansen. You all remember those names? FBI agents who sold out fellow informatives and operatives to the Soviet Union for money. Y'all might have heard in the news lately about that couple up in Maryland who's allegedly sold submarine secrets to a foreign government. Why? For money. Traitors. That's what they are. Traitors to our country. Traitors to our nation. As someone who said, I do to Uncle Sam because I said I support and defend the Constitution of the United States, that angers me. I was willing to risk my life for this nation, and somebody says, I'm gonna sell out for money? How does that make you feel? That's what Zacchaeus did. He was a traitor. That's what Matthew did, a traitor. And Jesus says to them, welcome, come. I befriend you. I want to go to your house. Table fellowship meant that you accepted that person, that you are willing to be in relationship with that person, that you are willing to go to that person and say, I will break bread with you because, well, I want to be your friend. And that's what Jesus did to Zacchaeus and to Matthew. That's what Jesus still does to people who are on the, on the margins of society, those who have alienated themselves from others. That's what Jesus does for people who are friendless. He says, I want to be your friend. That's what Jesus does for everybody. Maybe someone with the sound of my voice in this room or they're watching online or saying themselves, do I have a friend? Do I have someone that understands me, that there's a, someone that accepts me for who I am? Yes, you do. It's Jesus. Is it any wonder? 
Is it any wonder that Zacchaeus scampered down so excitingly to, to be with this Jesus, this one that would accept him no matter what and receive him as a friend? That's what Jesus does for you and for me. Is it any wonder that Zacchaeus is so excited? And we know something happened in his life. We know some change occurred in him because when he scampers down the tree, stands there before Jesus, he immediately says this, Lord, half of everything that I have, I give to the poor. And with my remaining money, if I have defrauded anybody, which he had defrauded a lot of people, I will pay four times that to which I defrauded them. And this is going way above what the Levitical law said because the Leviticus says that if you have defrauded anybody and voluntarily, voluntarily make restitution, then you only have to give them 20% more. He says, I'll give them fourfold beyond what is expected. And Jesus said, surely salvation has come into this household. Why? Because of the response. Was Zacchaeus trying to earn anything from Jesus? Was Zacchaeus trying to buy favor? Was Zacchaeus trying to get his way to heaven through what he could give? No, he had already been accepted. He'd already realized that this man had come into my life to be my friend. And so in response to that offer of friendship, in response to that offer of divine mercy, he gives. He gives and gives very generously. As John the Baptist says, we can tell repentance by the fruits that repentance bears. Zacchaeus showed by his generosity that he had been transformed. It's interesting in Luke's gospel that in the Zacchaeus story, which is only in Luke, pretty close to it, right before it in a, in a chapter, and if you want to understand the meanings of things in Scripture, look what's around it. We see that there's a story that's in other synoptic gospels uh, about this rich man that comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, you know, you obey the law and then give everything and come follow me. Give everything to the poor and follow me. And the text says that he leaves sadly because he can't let go of that which has grasped his heart, which is his wealth. Reason being, I believe he doesn't realize the depth of mercy which has been extended to him by the presence of the living God in the form of Jesus Christ. He cannot understand that you cannot do anything. You cannot earn your way to heaven. Heaven is a gift given to us by God through Jesus Christ. And this man cannot accept the fact that he's accepted and that it's mercy and receiving that mercy that gets us to heaven. And what we do is in response to that mercy. Because the man cannot realize that, that it's all about receiving grace into our lives and our response to that grace is shown in how we are accessible to others and, and the need of others. So the man leaves sadly. Jesus also shows us this by story of a, a woman who comes to anoint his feet while he's at a banquet given by a rich religious leader. And everyone starts to grumble because this woman is supposedly a sinner. And, and Jesus asks the question, 
Who is more grateful, those who are forgiven little or those who are forgiven much? The answer is, well, those who feel like they've been forgiven much. It's true. Zacchaeus realized the depth of his need and he responded generously and graciously because he knew that he was a sinner in need of grace and he had been accepted by this Jesus who said, you'll be my friend. How about us? That's the trouble sometimes, isn't it? We don't realize the depth of our need. There's a great big church in downtown London that sponsored several mission churches that reached out to the poor regions of that city and to uh, help those who are destitute and oftentimes bringing people in who had had criminal backgrounds or who were on the other side of the track, so to speak. There, there are stories of great conversions there of drug dealers and thieves and, and lifelong criminals that were, were, had, were converted and had come to Christ because of these mission churches sponsored by this great big downtown church. And once a year, at the first Sunday of the year, all these congregations gathered together for worship. And at the conclusion of worship, uh, they would come down and share communion together. And the pastor noticed that uh, during the time of communion, a chief judge in England knelt at the communion rail next to a man that he had put in prison for seven years for being a thief. When the service is over, the pastor and this judge walked home together. And as they were walking by uh, along together, the judge asked, did you notice who I was kneeling next to at the communion rail? And the pastor said, well, I didn't think you noticed, but yeah, I did notice that was the man that you'd put in prison for, for being a thief. He said, yeah, that's right. And they walked along a, a little bit further and the judge said, what an example of God's grace and mercy. And the pastor said, oh, yeah, you're right. And the judge asked, well, who do you think I'm talking about? And the pastor responded, well, this thief, of course, this convict, this man had been in prison. And the judge said, no, 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 I'm thinking about myself. The pastor said, yourself? What are you talking about? He said, oh, that, that thief, when he was relieved from, from prison... He had nothing else to rely upon. He had no other hope than to turn to this Jesus as a savior who could help him and change him and make him brand new. He knew his depth of his need. But me, I was raised to know right and wrong. I was raised as a gentleman. I was taught to go to church, to say my prayers, to take communion. I went to school, graduated from Oxford, became a barrister, and then a judge. And it was only the supreme act of God's grace and mercy to help me realize that I was in need of forgiveness as much as this convict. It was a supreme act of mercy for God to show me that in his eyes, I was as sinful as this man who I had sent to prison. Wow. When we are touched by the mercy and grace 
of God. When we realize that we are all sinners in need of transformation, we are all friendless and needing a divine friend, it is only then that we can have this great thankfulness in our heart to God for giving us everything, particularly this gift of everlasting life offered to us in Jesus Christ, this mercy given to all us good and upright people. Wow. Do we realize the depth of our need, the depth of the mercy that God is extending to all of us? The depth of your realization of your need and mercy is shown in the way that you are generous to the world. Look who's blessed by Zacchaeus. The poor, those he defrauded, the community around him. Now, I'm going to make a statement that's going to make Sandra, uh, you know, have her hair stand on end. Because she's the chair of the finance committee. But if you, for some reason, do not feel that being generous to this church is what God's calling you to do, then don't be as generous to the church as you might ought and we want you to be because I want you to know the joy of generosity. Now, I think this congregation, as you heard Jeff said, does so much for the kingdom of God, but this isn't about raising money for this church. It's about letting you have the heart that Jesus has so that you can know the joy of generosity. Yes, I want it to be this congregation, obviously, but I want more than anything for you to be known as somebody who blesses the world because you're generous. You have to ask this question. Who is being blessed in this world besides your family because you're a follower of Jesus Christ? Ask that question to yourself. Who's being blessed in this world because you are a follower of Jesus Christ? I hope many, many people because what you're doing in and through this church, offering your time and talent and your resources are being blessed. But here again, go and be generous. Wherever God is leading you to be generous, to make a difference in the name of Christ. I've only been asked to cuss at the eulogy of one person in my life. I was asked to cuss at this guy's service. His name was Ed Lee. He was a big, boisterous fellow. He grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth. He would admit that, in a, born from a, in a small town in Alabama named Bruton. He played football, came to uh, North Carolina State University. There's your Wolfpack folks, uh, yes, out there. Yeah, he came there to play football, study forestry. That's one reason I'm talking about Ed Lee today. I know at least a third of the crowd might be happy about this. Yeah, yeah he, he played football, uh, came back home, and was, well, not the most reputable person, even though his family had great wealth. He'd be the first to tell you, as a young man, he did not lead a Christian life. Then something happened that caused him to change his life. He, he almost was killed in a fight. And he realized that he needed to change his ways. And so he turned his life over 
to Jesus Christ. And it changed everything about him except his tongue. (laughs) Ed Lee sometimes could say some things that you wouldn't say in church. I'll just put it that way. But he had a heart that was bigger than he was. He would give freely and generously to anyone who asked of him. He he realized that God has blessed me richly and I'm supposed to give out of what God has given to me. So it didn't matter who you were. If someone came to him and asked for money, he didn't ask a question, he gave it. There there was a story one time, this guy was coming through Bruton and uh, he approached Ed Lee as he was coming out of a a restaurant and and Ed Lee said, I'll be glad to help you. And he put him up in a little local motel, gave him a $100 bill uh, to buy food. And he said this, I want you in the Methodist church and a worship service the next morning. And son of a gun, the guy showed up at church and where other people met him and following Ed Lee's example, helped get him back on his feet so that he'd go to where he was trying to travel to. Ed Lee and his family foundation were extremely generous to many organizations uh, in Northwest Florida and South Alabama, but he was excessively and exceedingly generous to his church. He would come on Commitment Sunday and, and give and show that I, this church is important to me by the way he committed. And then he gave beyond that. And whenever Ed Lee felt led or he heard about a need that was in the church or some activity or ministry was happening, he would come into uh, that office there uh, at at Bruton United Methodist Church, First United Methodist Church, and he'd come and pull up a chair in front of the secretary. Remember, he's a big old fella, and he'd slap his big old hand on the desk, and I'll miss it, bam! I hear that those kids need some help in the after-school program, and he'd write out a check. Or Missy, I, I noticed that Sunday school classes need painting. I, I, here's some money to do that, and I've hired a contractor. Or Missy, I understand there's a mission trip uh, going to Cameroon, and I want to help fund that. And slam that check down on the desk. Yeah, Ed Lee was a big, boisterous fellow. It wasn't perfect, but his heart was right with the Lord. And he showed that by how generous he was with what God had given to him. Question is, how about you? You know, we don't know what happened with Zacchaeus, do we? I mean, there's some cynics out there that he just said that and then went off and did his own thing. But I don't think Luke would have included in the gospel unless something had changed. In fact, legend has it that he became a bishop in in Caesarea, but we we just don't know that. But I like to think that he did change and that he did give away half of everything that he did to the poor and that uh, he did have a long line of people that he came and made up to with for all the money that he had extorted from them. And because he had changed his ways and and gave up this extortion racket known as tax collecting, he was welcomed back in the temple. And can you imagine his first time back is even more joyful than coming back to church in person after being away for 18 months. And he saw the place to give the offering and he had a wheelbarrow full of money And he gave in thanksgiving because for the first time in a long time, he could worship God in God's holy temple. 
I know you all are grateful for what God has given to you and grateful for the depth of mercy that God's poured into your life. I pray that you'll show it by how generous you are. Wherever God is leading you, but you can show it in some way by the commitments y'all are about to make to the work of this Jesus who accepts everybody, the work that is done in this church. You're invited to come as the music is being played to bring down a commitment card and place it there in this box that Diane Rose has put together for us so nicely. And if you want to take time to pray either before and after, we, we have kneelers here. Or take time to pray in the pew. But come and show your love of God and the depth of God's mercy in your life as you commit to God's work through this church. Amen, amen, and amen.